0: Good morning. It's Monday, December 9th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. Today's college football news is all the new head coaches and coordinators whose hirings were made official on Sunday and all of the bowl game pairings that were made official on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, after the college football playoffs. Uh, teams were picked and then the new york new year six the remaining new year six made their picks and then it, it was left to the other bowls to kind of work out who they wanted so i'm connor tapp and joining me to break all of this down is 24 7 sports college sports editor trey scott
1: trey i understand you have a list of the 10 best bowls in your estimation here i came up with a very complex rating system to determine the ten best bowl games this year, and I'm about to release that. I just do want to say, and I'm going to sound old. Back in the day, before we had a playoff, the bowl games looked so much more appealing. Yep. And I had a hard. I'm just going to say I had a hard time coming up with ten, mm. and even a few of them that on paper or mm, on helmet versus helmet, yeah. would look really good like an Alabama versus Michigan. Well, now we are in a day and age in which play, you know uh, NFL-ready players are skipping the bowl games, which is fine. Uh, that's the move I would have, make, too. But the bowl games have certainly lost a lot of luster. So no longer, I think, do we have a really great 10, 10 bowls. But you never know what's going to happen. I'm going to start with the Fiesta Bowl at number one. And it's Ohio State It's versus Clemson. This is pretty easy, right, Connor? I mean, this is... This is elite versus elite, balanced versus balanced. This is Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, the number one player in the 2018 class, number two player in the 2018 class. This is J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne. This is great receivers all over the place. Hard not to find a storyline. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting
0: matchup, and I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what else I could add to it. I mean, you 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 sold it perfectly there. I mean, these we talked all year about how. These two teams are the mo- maybe maybe you'd put LSU at number one as the committee decided to do, but in terms of just balance, these teams epitomize it. So that's going to be a really fascinating matchup, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Let's let's hit number two.
1: All right, Peach Bowl, LSU versus Oklahoma. We have two college football coaches who could not be more different in Lincoln Riley versus Ed Orgeron. Uh, A subplot here nobody's talking about. LSU has actually faced Jalen Hurts before, of course, when Jalen Hurts was at Alabama. So there's some level of uh, uh, familiarity here between Jalen Hurts and Dave Aranda. I'm excited to see this game. I don't know if it's going to be a touchdown game. Uh, Oklahoma's currently a 10-point underdog. Let's see if they don't get blown out. That will be imperative for them. But we should have a lot of fireworks if Jalen Hurts can hold on to the football Number three, Rose Bowl, Oregon versus Wisconsin. This is a very classic clash. I think the red and green are really going to look great, uh, and and this reminds me also of uh, De'Anthony Thomas versus w- Wisconsin in like twenty twelve. He took touchdown back a hundred yards. I'm excited to see sort of Oregon, which is about to be this rising power in the Pac twelve, as evidenced by their game Friday versus Utah. Again, say sort of just traditional, uh, you know, the, the foe you've always known in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like what,
0: what that game is now compared to if you took those two teams six, seven years ago, it would, it would have been a very different ball game. And now it feels a little bit more like uh, an old school sec clash. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's,
1: it's going to be exciting to see those two color schemes on the field. Alabama versus Michigan. I'm skipping. Uh, I'm going to Citrus Bowl at four. So Alabama versus Michigan. Yeah. We're going to jump ahead of a few of the New Year's Six Bowls, and I'm well aware that Alabama is probably going to have eight players skip the bowl game. And that's okay because it, this, is, uh, this, this is about who's on the sidelines. Yep. Connor, this is Nick Saban versus Jim Harbaugh. This is about, you know,
0: Alabama versus Michigan plays out every day on the Paul Feinbaum show during the offseason, and now we're actually going to get to see it on a field. And as you were alluding to off the top, like, I mean, to me, this is kind of the showcase for the, uh, yeah, exciting, exciting pair of programs, but who is going to be participating
1: yeah, I mean, Michigan might even have players sit out as well. They've you know, Shea Patterson, I'm sure, will play, but Michigan's got Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, and Eagle Collins. Those guys could all skip. We'll see. Uh, it'll be the Jalen Waddell show for Alabama. Cotton Bowl is my number five bowl. It's Penn State versus Memphis, and I would excuse a lot of even common fans for not wanting to watch this game because it's Penn State, which is regarded as a bluh. Team versus a group of five school, but Penn State has one of the country's best defenses, and Memphis has one of the country's best offenses. So, we'll see if Mike Norvell can ride out with a win. Uh, yeah, it's the
0: uh, bowl game between two coaches who just finished talking to Florida State. One of them actually uh,
1: <laughs> ended up signing with them. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, Outback Bowl. I'm kind of surprised. I'm going Outback Bowl at six. The Outback I Bowl, everybody, is Auburn versus Minnesota, and it, I love this. Okay. I'm excited to know why because I'm sort of surprised I had it here. I just feel like Auburn seems to always be the team that has to play like the the flavor of the year college football bowl game. And maybe I'm just thinking about them playing UCF a few years ago. But I'm interested to see how Minnesota's offensive attack fares against Auburn's defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be really interesting. And I I don't know. maybe Maybe I'm – Miss, maybe, maybe I'm projecting something onto Auburn that isn't there, but I just kind of feel like with the way their season ended beating Alabama, maybe they are a team that's going to be a little bit more motivated for its bowl game, a little bit more excited, feeling good, uh, heading into the offseason here. So I, f- I feel like Auburn's going to show up and it'll be an interesting test for Minnesota because you know, playing in a weaker division in the Big Ten West, and we didn't get to see them ultimately tested against Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Like, I kind of want to heat check on the Golden Gophers. I kind of want to know with an eye toward next year, are are we going to be back in the same position with Minnesota as
1: a contender in that division, or was this just kind of a flash-in-the-pan thing? Love it. Seven. Number seven, I've got the Sugar Bowl. This is going to be interesting, and it could be sort of ugly. Georgia versus Baylor. This is the second year in a row Georgia is going to play in the Sugar Bowl against a Big 12 team that it doesn't want to play against. Georgia wanted to be in the playoff last year, wanted <laughs> to be in the playoff this year. So the thing yeah. is, Georgia's also going to be without a few NFL early entrants. I'm predicting that star left tackle Andrew Thomas and star running back DeAndre Swift, who hardly played against LSU, are both not going to play against Baylor. Then you've got the fact that Jake Fromm has been horrible since early October. Yeah. And you have the makings of a game that it, if it doesn't go well for Georgia, and remember, it did not go well for Georgia last year against Texas in the Sugar Bowl. If it goes poorly for Georgia against Baylor, there's going to be a lot of activity on the junkyard message board because these Georgia fans are not going to be happy. And I'm going to, I'm here to tell you now Baylor can absolutely beat Georgia. Yeah. And Georgia is going to come
0: up again in a little bit, but just it's feels like kind of an interesting time. I don't know if it's like a turning point one way or another, but it feels like a moment where Kirby smart needs to make some, make some hires to kind of shore up what he's building here uh, to ensure that he kind of stays at the top of the sec East. And You know, I I don't think if you're Georgia, you can afford to, you know, not care about a a second consecutive matchup against a Big 12 team from Texas uh, this year. That'd be a pretty tough look and would leave a real sour note over the offseason, I think. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one for sure.
1: You're right. All right, number eight, the Alamo Bowl. This is the second year in a row Texas is going to get to play a team that doesn't want to be there because Utah... 2 days ago thought they were going to be in the playoff and now they have to play in the Alamo Bowl. I feel like you're so,
0: Utah, maybe you're like, I don't know, you're kind, kind of pumped? Of, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're probably disappointed, but I feel like when you're a program that's built the way Utah is, like your whole thing is like constructed on being an underdog and people overlooking you. So I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. Again, I'm not a Utah insider here, but I who knows?
1: It's sort of unfair that I'm going to say this because the last two years we've overestimated Texas based on its bowl games. So maybe it's not a big deal if Texas comes out and looks bad. But there's a lot of activity and a lot of noise out there that the team has sort of given up on Tom Herman, regardless of whatever coordinator changes he makes. So if Texas comes out there and gets battered by Utah, which is not a name brand team that Texas Longhorn fans are going to respect – It's going to be a pucker test, and I really don't know if that's the note Tom Herman's going to want to Mm. enter the offseason on. Number nine, the Camping World Bowl. Man, we're getting into some some weird bowl games here. This is Notre Dame versus Iowa State. I don't know. I just felt like Notre Dame should be on the list. And no one's never not enjoyed watch watching Iowa State play football. It's an interesting combination of teams. I
0: mean, Notre Dame, like a, a blue blood in Iowa State, you know, a team with not a lot of historical success necessarily, but definitely a program everyone kind of has their eye on, is very intrigued by, at at a minimum, at a minimum intrigued to see what their head coach is going to do at at any given time. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. I like it.
1: Yeah. You're right about Matt Campbell. He's not going to leave for uh, a Florida state type job. If he ever leaves Iowa state, it's going to be for a big 10 job and a big one at that or Notre Dame. So interesting matchup there. And finally, The Belk Bowl. I believe this is the final Belk Bowl, and it's Kentucky versus Virginia Tech. And the only reason this is interesting to me is it's Bud Foster with a month or, or I guess, a few weeks at this point to prepare for Kentucky's offense, which involves former wide receiver Lynn Bowden literally running it every single play at quarterback, and yet nobody can stop him. So I'm excited for that. I say that now. We'll see if I watch it when the Belk Bowl rolls around, but that could be an interesting one on paper. Interesting times
0: for Kentucky. I mean, a couple weeks ago, their head coach was pretty strongly linked to a a few different openings, I guess. At this point, it looks like Mark Stoops probably staying in Lexington and... Uh, who knows? I don't. I don't. Is Joey? Is Lynn Bowden a, a senior? I don't. He's know. He's gonna anything. go.
1: No, he's a junior, but he'll go pro. He'll go pro. He'll go get okay. that money. Yeah. But he, I mean, but some people think he's the next Percy Harvin.
0: Okay. Well, uh, and then now, uh, uh, was it last week? Two weeks ago, we found out they're getting Joey Gatewood transferring in from Auburn. So, really intriguing time for Kentucky and uh, Virginia Tech as well. Who will? Uh, I guess it'll be the as you mentioned the last game with Bud Foster. He's going to see it out through the bowl game. I. I reckon Uh, I believe so. I'm I'm assuming that right now. That'd be pretty weird if he did it. It's not like he's got (laughs) another job to go take, but uh, we did uh, find out who will be promoted once Bud Foster does finally hang it up. And we will get to that on the other side of our break and a bunch of other coaching transactions that happened throughout the world of college football on Sunday. Welcome back to the College Football Daily. Trey, we have a bunch of coaching transactions to get to. Who knows, maybe there will even be uh, one or two more between the time we record this and the time that's get posted. But let's start it off with uh, one that's pretty fresh out of the box here. The Arkansas Razorbacks, after missing out on the
1: Lane Kiffin sweepstakes, uh, went out and hired Sam Pittman. All right, so the Georgia offensive line coach and associate head coach probably... To most people, want to be regarded as a sexy hire. And I'm not saying this is a sexy hire, but Arkansas reveres Sam Pittman. He was the architect of those incredible hog molly offensive lines five years ago that sent, I believe, eight Razorback linemen to the NFL. He's an ace recruiter, an exceptional recruiter. Uh, right now, he is the number three recruiter in the 24 7 sports rankings. Uh, which we rank the assistant coaches by recruiting aptitude. Uh, based on who they've got committed, he'll lose that title because he's going to go be a head coach. But I think a month into the search with a a, a serious lack of options at this point, I think Arkansas did a pretty nice job here of saving face.
0: Yeah, and I think it'll be really interesting to see who he ends up hiring to fill out his staff anytime you've got someone who... I don't want to say underqualified, but we typically think of, oh, well, you're going to go get a coordinator that you're going to put in this position or a head coach, a sitting head coach from another school that you put in, in this position. So given that he's an offensive line coach, I think there will be some people questioning that. But as you said, absolutely dynamite recruiter, kind of like a uh online meme to to a certain extent with the videos that he would put out after georgia he would get a commit uh where he kind of do these funny like yes sir videos in his office so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of recreate that energy and enthusiasm in arkansas which uh it could really use it after a couple of hires in a row that really just did not work out as they've tried to get back on track in the aftermath of the Bobby Petrino
1: era still and Connor Um, you alluded to it this is not the news Kirby Smart needed on his Sunday evening right he he's he's got to figure out something on offensive coordinator with James Cole. do you bring him back do you revolutionize the offense Do you go find the next Joe Brady and now all of a sudden the rug's getting pulled out from under him and he's losing perhaps his best assistant
0: yeah how different does this Georgia's season look if they don't have that incredible offensive line engineered by Sam Pittman uh even, even with it, the, the offense struggled pretty mightily uh, for a good chunk of the season there. Um, so Florida State hiring Mike Norvell from Memphis. He's going to see out the bowl game, I believe, um, and uh, then take over as Florida State's head coach. Uh, and uh, this is one we've been tracking for a while because they fired Willie Taggart, Taggart uh, midway through the season. And here we are
1: 10 days from signing day, and they finally got a head coach signed. Sources down in Tallahassee say that Mike Norvell won the press conference. Just go look at the the media coverage of it. I don't take too much from the fact uh, he was introduced Sunday. He did you know, have some nice moments at the press conference. That doesn't matter. Willie Taggart won the press conference, too. This is all about Mike Norvell's offensive aptitude. A top 10 in offense the last three seasons at Memphis. I like the fact that he brings a stabilitating factor here because – yeah, like he maybe doesn't get enough credit at Memphis for taking over the job Justin Fuente did. But the program saw no decline and in fact kept rising upwards and he's going to need to to show that same sort of uh, movement at a team at a program that is in all sorts of trouble on offense. It will be interesting. I would doubt highly that he retains offensive coordinator Kendall Bryles since Mike Norvell is such an offensive guy which would maybe make Kendall Bryles the most coveted offensive coordinator out there on the open market. So we got another coaching domino maybe to track in the next few days.
0: Yeah, and uh, maybe Kendall Bryles decides to hook back up with Lane Kiffin out at Ole Miss, or does he have, does he have Ooh, a – Ooh, good, good call. That would be interesting. Um, so, Trey, I think you know more about this one than I do, but uh, USF making some moves on uh, Clemson offens- co-offensive coordinator Jeff Scott.
1: Yeah, I don't know that much. Uh, I bet you by the time people are listening to this podcast, this has happened. It looks like our 24-7 sports team websites are reporting this. Uh, Anna Hickey uh, has a story at Clemson 24-7 Sources. Uh, Jeff Scott uh, the, b- being heavily linked to South Florida, which, of course, fired Charlie Strong. It was only a matter of time between b- before one of the Clemson co-offensive coordinators, Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott, moved on to head coaching jobs. Uh, you know, you you get a guy who has engineered some great historic offenses with some great historic quarterbacks. Obviously, his recruiting chops and Coach under Davo Sweeney. So this would be a home run hire for South Florida. South
0: Carolina is in the process of trying to get the hiring of Mike Bobo, the Colorado State uh, recently fired Colorado State head coach, former. Uh, Georgia offensive coordinator, former Georgia quarterback in the early 90s, um, trying to get him in to replace uh, um, Brian McClendon, who is demoted uh, down to a position coach. So, um, What do you think it, about this? Do you like this? Are you scared of it? I am, if you're just joining us, uh, the College Football Daily, You know, I'm a South Carolina fan. I am, at this point, kind of agnostic about it. I think I, I, I went back and started digging up some... Some stats on how Bobo's offenses performed uh, while he was at Georgia. Because my my memory uh, of his time at Georgia, especially toward the end, was people Georgia fans kind of complaining about his offenses. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see that you know from 2009 to. 2014 when he left uh his his offenses were in the uh, always in the upper half and occasionally the number one offense in yards per play now this was half a decade ago the offensive environment in the sec has changed considerably and i i honestly do not know very much about how hands-on he was with the offense at colorado state or how well colorado state's offense even did um, clearly not that great or he wouldn't be uh looking for a job right now but um so i i don't know i'm with i'm withholding judgment at this point it's not it doesn't knock my socks off i'll, t- I'll tell you that uh but um you know i, I i'm i man i don't know <laughs> because then then <laughs> well, part of me then part of me is like do i even want it to be a good hire because do i think Wilma champ is the right guy in the long term whether this hire
1: is good or not so yeah um Well, he'll have, yeah, you're right. He has to, you know, you got one year now to save Will Muschamp's job, so good luck. Yep, yep.
0: The the deal is not totally done. There is a board of trustees uh, meeting uh, uh, to approve his contract. I don't know. I'm kind of wondering if, uh, part of me is a little bit nervous that Georgia is, uh, I don't know, going to somehow get involved here. Um, But uh, let's see. Uh, Penn State,
1: uh, what is this, Trey? Uh, they, they, might... So they, they, they might lose offensive coordinator. It looks like they're going to lose offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie to Old Dominion to be the head coach. This is Ricky Ronnie is a big name, but Penn State has not been the same offensively the last two seasons since Joe Moorhead left. Uh, and, of course, that means also the, the same timeline of Saquon Barkley leaving. So Penn State, Ricky Ronnie is a well-regarded name, but they were 57th in offense this year. So I don't know if it's a massive hit, but again, opens up a marquee program that needs a new offensive coordinator. All right. As we were talking about earlier, Virginia Tech has promoted
0: safeties coach Justin Hamilton to be the new defensive coordinator after
1: Bud Foster retires. This is an upset. There was a lot of noise and a lot of speculation that Barry Odom, the fired Missouri coach, was mm. just, you know... Uh, a signature away from being Virginia Tech's new defensive coordinator. So I wonder what happened. Does that mean we see Barry Odom pop up in the next few days at a bigger school? But uh, I mean, like on Thursday it was looking like this would be Barry Odom's job. So quite the 180. Uh And Trey, uh, you know, we spent
0: all last off season talking about a transfer to and from uh, Texas and
1: USC. Are we going to see another one of those? Wow, you're right. We did start like the College Football Daily talking about Brew McCoy every single day. So Texas and the Trojans are in a Graham Harrell standoff where Texas has made it clear that they want Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator. USC, now that it retained Clay Helton, has made it clear that they want Graham Harrell to be offensive coordinator. You would think a decision comes in the next few days. Would be a massive win for Clay Helton. Uh, Would be a massive win for Tom Herman. But whoever doesn't get Graham Harrell is going to have some explaining to do to its fan base. Okay, so I just wanted, I went back
0: and checked when I when I mentioned something about Georgia and Mike Bobo earlier, I, I, I'd seen a tweet from our Rusty Mansell, and I went and found the link that he tweeted out. And what he was reporting was that if Georgia's offensive coordinator position happened to be open right now, he believed Mike Bobo would, would be uh, very interested in that position. But obviously, that is not the case right now. So um, uh, right now, it looks like Bobo is going to be South Carolina's next offensive coordinator. So, uh, As the carousel turns. as the carousel turns. All right,
1: Trey. Well, is there anything else that we need to add here, or is that going to do it? Oh, I think think we're good. I'm scrolling Twitter right now, seeing if we're missing anything. But it looks like we're set, and you wake up on Monday, and it's a brand-new day with a lot of brand-new rumors. Yeah, and uh,
0: you know, still plenty of head coaching vacancies to fill and then plenty of staffs to fill out, and that will set off a whole new chain reaction of coaching moves. So we will have all of the big ones covered for you here at the College Football Daily. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer Tony Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.